Grab your Bibles tonight and turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 through 16. Might as well all stand. I know you're all tired, but you can sit for an hour while I have to stand up here. So, y'all need to stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. But grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Therefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet. Least that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men. Everybody say, All men. Not just the ones you want to pick and choose. But follow peace with all men and holiness, without which, which no man shall see the Lord. Verse 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Take my thought from verse 15, looking diligently, lest any man should fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness, everybody say root of bitterness, springing up, trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Amen. So going with our theme for this year, we're going to talk about freedom from bitterness, freedom from bitterness. Before you're seated, let's just go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to be with us. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord. I pray that you would be with me tonight. Know that there's power in your word. I pray that you would speak to our hearts. God, hallelujah, we love you, Lord. Help us, oh God, draw near to you with a true heart. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let us not fall or fail, O oh God, or the grace of God in our lives. We love you and we praise you and we worship you in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And let everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We all have situations in our lives that are bitter to us. Amen. We've all had those incidences in our life. Perhaps you're going through one right now, a circumstance that's making you very bitter, or if not, you can probably reach back as a reminder that of a bitter time in your life. Sometimes, <clears throat> and I would like to say a lot of times, there are a lot of, a lot of the times it's perceived. It's just perceived, amen? We just imagine things. A lot of times somebody may hurt us with their words that's not been intentional, but we take it that way, right? And so it's not always uh, something that is intentional, but we just perceive that there's been an offense. And, uh, but sometimes they are real, amen? Sometimes they're really real. Sometimes you get hurt really, really, really bad, amen? And I don't want to belittle anything that's happened in your life. And uh, surely uh, we know that we've all 
can think of things in which, you know, that we just know that are not right. And sometimes they're so bad that, you know, that's justice. We think justice needs to be served, right? And um, if especially we've just not been treated fail, fairly, if, if you can say it that way. But the key word here in our scripture is the root of bitterness. We're going to have these thoughts. and We're going to have these situations in our life, but we don't have to let them take root in our heart. When that happens, we're in trouble. Amen? Luke chapter 17, verse 1, Then said he, Jesus speaking unto the disciples, It is impossible. Everybody say impossible. That offenses will come. Offense just means an occasion to fall. You're going to have these occasions to fall, these offenses that come against you, these times where you can allow bitterness to begin to grow in your heart. It's impossible that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. Psalms chapter 119 and verse 165, great peace have they which love thy law. So we really have to be in the Word of God. Your relationship can't just be superficial. It just can't be coming to church, you know, when you feel like it and just coming, you know, maybe Sundays, maybe on a Wednesday. But we have to know what the Word is. We got to get into the Word. Hallelujah. And when you love the law, it says nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing shall offend them. So don't let this bitterness take hold of you. It says, thereby many are defiled. It just simply means contaminated. When you allow bitterness to take hold, it can cause a contamination in your spirit. Amen. And I'm going to say this, <clears throat> and we can just end the Bible study after this if you really get this. Just let it go. Just let it go. Look at your neighbor and tell him, just let it go. It's really that simplistic, right? But, oh, it's a lot harder to do than say. Amen? It can really be hard. It's simplistic to just let it go, but not easy. Amen? So bitterness defined... It just means anger or resentment over being treated unfairly. Symbolically, it means becoming a slave. It means when you allow bitterness to take root of you, you become captured by this. You're captured by this. Amen? It says to gently squeeze, you know. That root growing, it doesn't just sometimes just grab onto you, that, but that root, you know, just, just gently squeezing you every day, you know. You ever thought about something and been mad? The more you thought about it, the madder you got. It's kind of how it is with bitterness. You, you know, if you allow it to fester, you know, sometimes it just doesn't come all up all at once, but it slowly squeezes you. Adam Clark, in his commentary, says, it's a poisonous plant. When it says the root of bitterness will trouble you, it refers to the effect of the poison 
in the body. The blood becomes contaminated. And we know that life is in the blood. So if we let this bitterness trouble us, it becomes like a poison in us, in our spiritual life, right? And we become contaminated, and it zaps the life out of us. Amen. Peter rebukes Simon in Acts chapter 23, Acts chapter 8, verse 23. He said, for I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. So gall also means poison, which was given as an act of mercy to the one that was going to be crucified. So sometimes they would give them this poison to deaden the pain. Matthew 27, verse 34, says they gave him, Jesus, vinegar, as he was dying on the cross, to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. Jesus refused this. He chose to suffer the full effects of the bitter cup of the cross. <clears throat> Sometimes bitterness is self-induced, amen? Like I said, sometimes it's a perceived thing and we just dwell on it and dwell on it, amen? It's a self-induced misery and it produces the bond of iniquity and defilement. It comes from the Greek word that means to drive a peg or to pitch a tent. You know, I'm gonna pitch a tent right here um, you ever heard somebody say, I'm never for going to forgive them as long as I live. I'll never forgive them of this. They're driving that peg. They're pitching that tent. Amen. They're saying, this is where I stand. <clears throat> One definition says it's the poisonous pill that I take hoping you'll die. It doesn't affect the other individual as much as it's affecting you. They're going on with their life. You want justice, you want revenge, amen, but they're just going on their happy old life and it just bugs you to no end because you think justice needs to be served, but you've pitched a tent and you are, it's killing you, it's hurting you more than it's hurting them, amen. In verse 15, he's saying here, he gives us this great warning. He's warning, warning, warning. He says, looking diligently. He said, take oversight of this. Take oversight of your heart. Take oversight of what's bothering you. Look diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness bringing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. James chapter 3 and verse 11 through 18. It says, Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, or even a vine fig? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and a dude with knowledge among you? Let him show out of the good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your heart, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, 
sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. It says if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Amen. Bitter envying and strife in your heart. It's not justified. Amen. It's not acceptable. It says this wisdom is not from above. It's earthly. It's sensual. It's devilish. Amen. And it's going to cause confusion. And it's going to cause evil works in your life. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace to them that make peace. Amen. If you want to sow your seed into strife and bitterness, that's what you'll grow. Amen. But the Bible tells us if we'll sow peace, that's what we're going to reap. That's what we're going to have the fruit of. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace and them that make peace. But bitterness is a, a, it's a serious thing. And the Bible here is telling us we need, to, we need to diligently take heed to this. Don't let it slide. Don't push it back into the corner of your heart, amen, because it's going to fester there, it's going to take root there. Uh, the Psychiatry Magazine, this was way back in 2009, said bitterness is so common and so deeply destructive that some psychiatrists are urging it to be identified as a mental illness. Maybe identified by that by now, I don't know, Dr. Myers, it may be that already. But they wanted it to be identified as a mental illness, post-traumatic embitterment disorder, much like the post-traumatic stress disorder, because it too is a response to a trauma that endures and embittered people are left seeking revenge. Amen. We want justification. We want somehow to be justified in what's been done wrong to us. Amen? We all want that, don't we? We all don't want to be treated unfairly. We all don't want to push it aside. But that's not what the Word of God says, and we'll get into that a little bit more as we go on. But it's that root that's the dangerous part of it. It works beneath the surface. You all sitting out here look like just perfectly healthy Christians, all happy and smiling and living for God. Amen? Most of you, there's a few sour faces out there. But, <clears throat> but the problem can go undetected, undetected. You can go through the motions. Amen? You can go right through the motions, ignore what's happening on the inside that root. You can seem normal on the outside. <clears throat> but if this root is not cut off, it can destroy you. It will destroy you. The offense itself is not a sin on your part, but it can be a catalyst 
to your own sin. Amen? I'll just repeat this once again. It's the poison pill I take, hoping that you're going to die. There's three different causes. I'm sure there might be more, but three that I've got down here on my notes. Three causes of bitterness. First thing, and the most evident thing, is others, people. Amen? People. Reminds me of the Scrooge. Wretched people. Amen? Wretched people. People that we love and are close to. People we are under authority to. Or people that we trust. Offenses can come which cause bitterness. But there's a couple things to remember. That two wrongs don't make a right. Right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The golden rule of the word of God. And you can't build happiness on someone else's unhappiness. You can't build your happiness in your life on somebody else's unhappiness. Oh, we think it would make us feel good, right? But it's not going to help you to be happy. Amen. If you get revenge and they get what they deserve for doing what they did to you, amen, it's not going to help you build your happiness. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. Our happiness comes from the Word of God. Amen. So others can bring this into our lives, people that we have to we have to deal with each other. Amen. And they can say things that are just so hurting, and they can say things that really leave a bad, bitter taste in our lives. The second thing that I have down here is our calling. You know, when we come into the Lord and we, you know, that our calling, what we think God wants us to be, you know, we have this concept of what needs to be done. Sometimes things are not moving fast enough or not going in the direction that we expected. That's why the Bible admonishes us when Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray. He said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Not our will, but thy will. Amen? The examples that we have in the Bible, of course, are Joseph and David years past, long before they ever lived out their dreams. Amen? That the most important thing that you can do in your calling is to involve yourself in the work of God. Involve yourself in the work of God. Amen? As far as your calling goes, as far as what God wants you to do, do you know that nobody can stop that but you? Nobody can stop what God wants to do in your life but you. Amen? Because God's all-powerful. Amen? If you just give yourself over to him, God will work his purpose through your life. We need to work not only where we think we are called to work, but we're also called sometimes just to work wherever we're needed. Clean up the bathroom if you go in there and you see it's messy. Just wherever you're needed, do the work of the Lord. Come into the house of the Lord and say, what needs to be done? What can I do? Amen. But those are the keys in helping ourselves find. It says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3, commit your works unto the Lord and your thoughts shall be established. 
That's one of my favorite verses, amen, because it's such a powerful verse. Commit your works to the Lord. Here's where we have all of our problems, right, up here between our ears, our thoughts. Amen, he said, but if you commit your works unto the Lord, your thoughts are going to be established. Amen. God's going to establish our thoughts. So people, sometimes God's will for our life is what we need to seek after. And we just need to pray, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Amen. That's God's will for your life is to pray that prayer. Amen. And our circumstances, of course, John 16, in the world you shall have tribulation. It's going to happen. You're going to have problems. You're going to have situations. <clears throat> but don't allow your circumstances to block your view of God. Amen? Things happen. And Jesus said, in the, you're going to have these things. It's going to happen to you. But we can't allow that to block our view of God. Bitterness is the byproduct of being preoccupied with yourself. Yikes. Amen? Actually, it's pride. When you're bitter, you have bitterness in your heart. It can be a form of pride because you're just preoccupied with yourself. They shouldn't have done that to me. I don't deserve that. It's all about me. I, I, pride. That's what the devil did, right? That's what Lucifer did in heaven. I will do this. I will do that. He was preoccupied with himself. And boom, God threw him down. But bitterness can be the byproduct of being preoccupied with yourself. Just pride. Amen? Don't think that it's just all about you. Amen. We need to realize that God has a purpose, and that's for his kingdom to go forward. Amen? You think about, uh, as I was preparing for this, I thought about, you know, John the Baptist. You think about him, and his, here's what his ministry started out as, and he was baptizing people. He sees Jesus walking down the road. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world, you know. And then he gets, John gets thrown in prison a little ways down the road. <laughs> and then he sends a message to Jesus from his disciples, says, you know, art thou he, or should we look for another? The circumstances in his life made him to doubt a little bit, right? And you think about John the Baptist, of which Jesus said there's not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. And John the Baptist really was eliminated. He was used for his purpose, and then he was beheaded. Amen? God didn't need his uh, prophetic utterance anymore. Amen? So he was beheaded, and John the Baptist, you think about his life. Jesus responded to that question, art thou he? He said, Jesus answered and said to them, go show John, again, those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be Offended. Everybody say offended. Jesus was telling him, don't get offended in me. You're in prison, yes. You're about to have your head chopped off, yes. But you're still one of the greatest prophets of all time. Amen? 
<clears throat> don't be offended in the Lord. When we're praying God's will be done, amen, sometimes there's sacrifice. You know, when we, we call this the altar, and the altar was a place of sacrifice. When you come to the altar, you've got to bring a sacrifice. Something has to die. And that's our will, amen, our will to his will. And also, when thought about Naomi in the book of Ruth, you know, Naomi and her husband, and there was a drought, a famine in Israel, so they went to Moab seeking food. And Naomi, by her name, means pleasant, you know. That's a nice name. Here comes Miss Pleasant walking down the road. Naomi's name meant pleasant, but in Moab, she lost her husband, Amalek, lost her two sons, Molan and Chilion, amen, lost her two sons down there, and so she's going to return now back to Jerusalem, amen, and so she finds her daughter-in-law, Ruth, is going to come back, you know the story, she's going to come back with me, well, and she gets into town, all the people say, oh, it's Naomi. It's Miss Pleasant. And here's what she said in verse 20. Call me no more Naomi. Call me Myra. For mightily hath the, hath, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. And Myra means bitter. Don't call me pleasant anymore. Call me bitter. For the circumstances that I've gone through. I went out full and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? Amen. And up there in the beginning of our verses there where it says, Don't despise the chastening of the Lord. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Amen. <clears throat> Naomi was a bitter lady. She was a bitter lady, but she had a good daughter-in-law by the name of Ruth, and in the end, you know that her daughter-in-law came back with her. She married Boaz. They got married, and they had a child. When she said, I went out full, she had her family. She went out full. When she came back, she came back empty. She did not have her sons anymore, but in the end, Ruth her daughter-in-law got remarried to Boaz, and they had a son. And in fourth chapter of Ruth, verse 14, and the women, and the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life. Now, the lady's got to remind Ruth of this, right? That's what she's there. She's probably still bitter, and she's probably still not under and everything. I just see her as an old, bitter old lady. Amen. Nothing's going right. But the lady's come to remind her, Blessed be the Lord which hath not left thee today without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. He shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life and a nurture of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, is better to thee than seven sons hath borne him. And Naomi took the child, this child that was born, 
laid it in her bosom, and she became a nurse unto it. And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. And Obed simply means servant of God or a worshiper. So the moral of this story is don't let your circumstances in your life turn you bitter, amen, but turn them into becoming a greater servant for God, amen, and a worshiper. You can either become bitter or you can come become better. You can let your circumstances just push you down and say, I tried, it was just not worth it. Or you can get more determined and say, I'm going to be a greater servant of God and I'm going to be a worshiper of God. Amen? And if you know the end of the story, Obed was the grandfather of David. And Jesus Christ came through the lineage of David. So Ruth who was not, who was a Moabite, she became a descendant of Jesus Christ. Amen? And Naomi, hallelujah, had a lot to rejoice about because God, hallelujah, moved on her behalf. So don't let your circumstances make you bitter. Just keep moving and let them make you better. So for your own sake... <clears throat> for your own sake, how are we going to recover from bitterness? First of all, you have to admit it. Like I said, sometimes we can just push it off to the side, but still it's festering there. That root is growing, amen? The Bible says be rooted and grounded in the Word, amen? Be rooted and grounded in the Word. Don't allow bitterness to take root. But we have to admit it. And we have to say, Lord, I can't shake this. Amen. We have to admit that. <clears throat> and pray, of course. I can't do this without your help. God, I need you. Amen. He says, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden. Think about that. His invitation is to those of us who have been offended and those of us that need help and those of us are weak. Amen. And those of us that cannot do it on our own. Amen. And we just have to trust in the Lord. Trust in God. Put our trust in him. Romans 12 verse 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. In other words, don't try to handle it on yourself. Amen. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. You think justice not been served? It's not over yet. Amen. Justice will be served. The Lord says, I will repay. Vengeance is mine. God's going to take care of it. And that's where we have to put it into the Lord's hands. Amen. We have to turn it over to the Lord. When we look at that first part of Hebrews chapter 12, <clears throat> Just the first part, verses 1 through 3. It says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run 
with patience the race that is set before us. He's using this analogy or example, whatever that the right word is there, of an athlete, a runner. Amen. Our walk with the Lord is like being in a race. And he says we got to lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So the first thing that we have to do here, it says lay aside our sins. We need to repent. Amen? We need to repent. There is so much power in repentance. Paul said, I die daily. What does that mean? He means he's repenting daily. He's dying out to himself daily. It means a turning around is going in a different direction Hallelujah. And for us to get over bitterness, and us to have the victory over it, we need to repent of ourselves and say, Lord, forgive me for getting my eyes off of the goal. Forgive me for getting my eyes off of the kingdom. Forgive me for getting my eyes off of what you're trying to do in my life. And it doesn't matter what happens in our lives, all things work for the good of them that love the Lord. Amen. No matter what happens to you, God can turn it around and work it for good. You believe that? Hallelujah. It's the Bible. Amen. It says forgive. He says in verse 2, looking unto Jesus, he's our example, right? He's the author and the finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame. And is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. <clears throat> so, looking unto Jesus, as we looked at him, we saw that he endured the cross. He said, not my will, but thy will. That was his calling. That was what he came to do. He said, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, this cup of bitterness. Let it pass from me. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. He despised the shame, his circumstances that came against him, and he endured the contradiction of sinners, of others. Amen. Those three things that I talked about, his calling, his circumstances, and other people that come into our lives. But Jesus, as we look unto him and we realize, hallelujah, what did he say on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Amen. Can you say that about the one that's offended you? Can you say that about the circumstance or the individual that has made you bitter? Or perhaps you're bitter at God. Amen. Because you don't understand why these things happen in our lives. But we need to pray like Jesus prayed when it comes to others. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. In verse 3, it says, least ye be weary and faint in your minds. Amen? Least ye be weary and ye faint in your minds. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving. Everybody say forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Aren't you thankful for the mercies of God? 
remember that old song that says, can you feel um, the pain? I forget how it goes now, but when he's on the cross, can he feel the pain, you know, of my sins? Every time I sin, does that take him back to the cross? Every time I make a mistake, does that take him back to a cross where he remembers all the pain and the suffering that he went through? We need the forgiveness of God in our lives. In Luke chapter 17, verse 1, it says, And he said unto his disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. It were better that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he cast into the sea, than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, you can rebuke him. Amen. Go and tell him what happened. It says rebuke him. If he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in, in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. On the heels of that, they said, increase our faith, Lord. And the Lord said, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you may say to this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. So the sycamine tree was known to have one of the deepest root structures of all the trees in the Middle East. It was a vigorous and robust tree that grew to the height of 30 feet or more. Because its roots went down so deep into the earth, it was very difficult to kill. And the mustard seed... Bible says is the smallest of seeds. If you have just a grain of a mustard seed, just a small amount of faith, you can reach deep down into that root that's giving you so much trouble, and you can pluck it up, plant it in the sea of forgetfulness. You believe that can happen? I believe it can. Amen. Those roots, if we're not careful, it can get down deep. And I don't, uh, you know, I don't want to lightly take anybody's situation and the bitterness root that goes down. But if you can just muster up just a grain, muster up the grain of a mustard seed, you can say to that root, be plucked up, cast into the sea. God will help you. Amen. God's command for forgiveness does not have an exception. Mark eleven twenty five. and when you stand praying, forgive. If you have any ought against any, that your Father, which is in heaven, may forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Not up there. Mark eleven twenty six. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Let me just read it one more time. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Amen. There is no exception to this rule, to this wording of God. 
we have to forgive. It doesn't matter what. He says, love your enemies. We can't understand that. We can't comprehend it, but it's, we just have to obey what the word of God says. If you do not forgive, how many have had trespasses in your life? I'm the only one here that's ever had a trespass under the Lord. We all have, amen? And if you didn't raise your hand, then you just trespassed because <clears throat> you should have raised your hand. So if we want forgiveness, and I want forgiveness, so I need forgiveness, amen, we have to forgive others. Amen? Matthew 18, 21, then Peter then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall I forgive my brother sins against me? Shall I forgive him till seven times? And Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee seven until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven like unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon one and was brought to him, which owed him ten thousand talents, but for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. And the servant therefore fell down, worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed, and loosed him and forgave him the debt. That's us, folks. We came to an altar one day. And said, God, I have this debt I cannot pay. I owe it and God forgave us. We won't take the time to read it, but through the rest of it, it says that this same guy went out to somebody that owed him some money. He had just been forgiven. He, some guy went out and he owed him some money, just a little bit of money. Took him, threw him into debtor's prison. Amen. Didn't have mercy on him. When the other guy got word of it, he came back. And threw that guy also into prison. The Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father, verse 35, do also unto you, if from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Now that's, that's a hard thing, right? From our hearts. We've got to get down into there somehow, into our heart. And we've got to find that forgiveness. Amen. We've got to get it out of there. That's in our hearts. Because we can go through our life and say, bless God, you know, I'm not worried about it anymore. But if it's still in your heart, amen, you've got to get it out of your heart. So back to Hebrews 12. Wherefore, lift up the hands. It's still kind of using the example of a runner. You're weary, your knees are wobbling, your hands are hanging down, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. You're getting, out, you're getting in the other lane, you're getting out of lane, we need to stay in our lane, hallelujah, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest the man felt, uh, fail of the grace of God. We've got to remember the grace of God. When we have the grace of God in our life, it allows us to see others as God does. And the Bible tells us that he's not willing that any should perish. And really, Jesus hit the nail on the head when he said, 
Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Really, if our enemies would know really what they were doing, then they wouldn't do it, right? If they knew the end of the story, they wouldn't do it, amen? But we as Christians who have received the grace and the mercy of God have to give mercy and grace out, amen? God allows others to make mistakes, amen? And we need to allow others to make mistakes without judging, amen? And it also allows us, when we realize the grace of God in our lives, it allows us not to be so easily offended. Amen? So we have to forgive. Praise the Lord. And the other thing is, is we have to submit. We have to submit to the Lord. If you keep reading in Hebrews 12, it talks about whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. Amen. He's talking about, you know, if he loves you, you you're going to chasten your sons, right? I had my grandkids with me for the last couple of weeks while their parents were vacationing around over there, so whatever. <clears throat> and there was a couple times they probably need chastened, but I didn't chasten them. They're my grandkids. <laughs> now, if it had been my son... He got warmed up a little bit, <clears throat> but it was my grandson, amen, and there's just a difference, and if you're watching somebody else's kids, you know, you're not apt to correct them, you know, you're just waiting for them to leave, right? <clears throat> it's not your responsibility, it's the parent's responsibility, and that's kind of what he's saying, if I love you, you know, we're so, we're so afraid we're going to hurt or damage our kids' relationship if we correct them and chasten them, right? And so we don't do it, but it works the opposite way. They love us more. And that's what God's wanting us to do. You're going through something. Maybe you've gone through something. Don't let bitterness grow there. Just realize that I'm molding you, God says. I'm making you into something that I want you to be. Hallelujah. And if I didn't love you, I wouldn't do it. Hallelujah. So just say, thank you, Jesus, and we need, it says in verse 9, furthermore, we had fathers of our flesh which corrected us. We gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be under subjection, submit unto the Father of spirits, amen, and live. True submission is obedience, even when you don't understand, even when you don't agree, but when you're really submitted, when you're really under subjection, Paul, as I always use this, but Paul, he says he was a servant, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. His circumstances weren't the greatest. He was a prisoner of Rome, but Paul said, I'm not a prisoner of Rome. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Amen. When we have that attitude, nothing can offend us. Nothing can harm us. Amen. And we just need to pray, Father, not my will, but thy will. There's such a liberty in that. You think about that as he taught his disciples to pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We lift up the name of Jesus. Thy kingdom come. Lord, let your kingdom come. Thy will be done. There's such, you know, we repeat it as some kind of a repeated prayer, but there's such a reality there. There's such a power struggle there. If you really think about it, if you really pray that with sincerity, 
there's a power struggle there between your will and God's will. Amen? We say we want God's will, right? We all say God knows what's best, right? God's what's no best for us, but how come we don't let God's will be done in our life? Amen? We don't want that will to be done. We all say he knows what's best, but we want to do it our way. Amen? But when we just say, Lord, thy will be done, let your will be done, I'm not going to be offended by others, by my circumstances, by the direction of my calling in my life. I'm just going to seek after you, submit my will to you. I'm just going to keep on coming back to you. Amen. And cut off all those roots of bitterness in my life before they take hold. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's all stand tonight. Amen, amen. I won't have you come up to the front, but as we're dismissing in prayer, maybe this message struck a chord with you, maybe something old, maybe something new, maybe something present. Whatever it is, I guess go back to that one phrase I said, after about 10 minutes, we could have quit the, just let it go, amen, with the Lord's help, let it go. Let's do that right now. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for your word the power of your word. We know, Lord, that we are in this flesh and that we uh, come into all different kinds of individuals. We have confrontations, oh Lord, with all different kinds of circumstances. And God, sometimes we struggle to know what your perfect will is in our life. But oh God, I pray, hallelujah, that we'll never allow the root of bitterness to grow in our lives. Help us, oh Lord, to seek after your will with all of our heart and all of our mind. I pray that you would free somebody tonight, somebody that might be in desperate need, oh God, of that mustard seed of faith, hallelujah, to uproot some uh, root of bitterness in their life and to cast it into that sea of forgetfulness. God, we thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost. We thank you, Lord, that you're the author and the finisher of our faith. We're looking unto you, Lord Jesus, hallelujah. Stir every heart, every mind. We'll give you all the thanks and all the praise. And everybody say, in Jesus' name.